Hello, and welcome to Apples to Giraffes. This is a new podcast where we're going to look at the art of adaptation and maybe the adaptation of art. Uh, it's going to be all about the transformation of, say, novels into films, films into comics, video games into TV shows, and just about anything else that we decide to talk about. Um, I am Francois Vigneault. I'm a comic book creator based in Montreal. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jonas Madden Connor, who's also a cartoonist, and he's based in Los Angeles. Hi, Jonas. Yes. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's funny to say, as always, I'm, jo I'm joining you because on the first episode, but I like it. It's like saying first annual. <laughs> <laughs> it's the traditional um, way that we open it. No, I, I, I saw myself that it was ridiculous, but I, I just I just continued rolling with what I was mm -hmm. saying. So <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> so so yeah, the, and, and, and as you said, this is the first episode. This is we're starting off this thing. We, you and I, like every other person in the world, has decided to do um, a podcast, and we started about uh, fifteen to twenty years late. So uh, you know, it's a, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I think it's going to be really fun. We're going to get to hang out together and talk about things, uh, kind of a wide range of things uh, that are sort of interesting. So uh, maybe just to get started. Um, we can just introduce ourselves and who we are, what we do, and maybe some of the concept of what the, this show, Apples to Drafts, is going to be all about. Uh, yeah, so first off, the name uh, came from a quote from uh, Dennis Lehane, um, wrote Mystic River. We went back and forth on a lot of titles, but... Uh, <laughs> well... I, I really like that one and I kind of pushed to it. Um, and I've got the quote in front of me here. It's um, he was being asked about about making Mystic River and then the way that uh, because, of course, that was made into a film by Clint Eastwood and the ways that movies affected his novel writing. And he and I've got the quote here. He said, we're all products of pop culture. It's hard to escape it. Films and books, though, are as different as apples and drafts. And to me, that really like spoke to one of the reasons I thought this show would be sort of interesting to make, which is that um, there's always this movement back and forth in these art forms and these mediums. But the way you tell a narrative in a movie versus a television show versus a graphic novel versus a, 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 a video game, they're all so radically different. And they then even though we keep adapting things from one medium to another and then sometimes back again, the, the way that we do that, it really has to, we've got to change the way we, you know, the way we approach the narrative each time. And I think it's quite interesting. Definitely. Um, yeah. And of course, some adaptations are more successful than others. And um, uh, yeah, I guess that's part of what we'll talk about. But um, yeah, like you said, we're both uh, cartoonists, graphic novelists, whatever you want to say. Um, uh, and we've known each other for a long, long time. So this is basically uh, an excuse for us to hang out. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess I don't know how much of a perspective we'll have as cartoonists versus um some other form of create creator um but uh yeah i don't know i i feel like we'll mainly be talking about books to films because that seems to be like the main pipeline that right that's take. like the 800 the 800 pound gorilla of the media in some ways so i'm sure we're going to talk about that um quite a bit but yeah. I'm also sure that we're going to bring in all kinds of other things you know um, uh, as we've been kind of getting ready for doing this podcast as we've been kind of planning what we might do episodes about um, 
definitely in my mind, a lot of different things with like graphic novels and even with video games and some other medium, I think it's going to be kind of interesting. And that's one of the things I think is going to be fun about the show, hopefully, is that it's it's really just a rich vein to mine. It goes on forever. You know, like movies have been adapting novels since the beginning of movies and uh and now we're in just this. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'll call it a golden age, but it's definitely where there's like a fire hose of content that's coming from uh, people adapting things from from one thing to the other. Um, and maybe because we both do comics and graphic novels, I think that that might be quite interesting because there's a history both of you know making comics from other media like the star wars graphic comics and graphic novels that uh, have been going strong for almost as long about as long as uh, the movies have been going on going strong um but also now we're definitely in like a world where the other direction is huge too you know like of course we were in the the 15th year of like marvel movies and all kinds mm-hmm. of other things and and those have become like the dominant culture and that's uh, kind of the world that we come from since we we both uh, write and draw stuff yeah okay should we uh do news then yeah yeah, this is our this is our our brand new segment that we're watching <laughs> on our first episode. But uh, there's since there's always so many things coming up that are the quote unquote news that new and noteworthy adaptations. We thought we would just talk about and see if there's anything that's um, that we've caught in the news that might be of interest from this point of view. So, yeah. Jonas, what do you got? Um, well, I saw that uh, there's going to be a new Apple TV series based on the movie Metropolis, the old silent film. Oh, uh, okay. And it's going to be um, uh, the creator is Sam Esmail. Um, who is who, that? He's a creator of Mr. Robot, and he did the first season okay. of the, the TV show Homecoming. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So did you watch either of those? I started at the- this is the other thing that people are going to laugh. They're going to be like, why is this guy doing a podcast about media? He can't keep up with anything. Um, but I started and really enjoyed the beginning of Mr. Robot and I just have never finished it. Uh, mm-hmm. I need to come back to it. And the same thing with Homecoming. It's like on my list of things to to watch and I just haven't had the time, made the time to watch it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you enjoy those? Uh, yeah, they're both good. I watched the first season of Mr. Robot when it was first airing. And I enjoyed it fine. And then, um, uh, like a like a, like maybe like two three years ago, I noticed the whole thing was done and it was on Amazon. So I just watched it all like while I was working. I just had it on in the back, background, and it was all. It's mostly good. It's mostly um, quite good. Um, and then Homecoming is also good. Um, and that's also an adaptation. That's based on a podcast. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. I never realized that. Yeah, it's based on like a create uh, fiction d- audio drama. Oh, that's really interesting. Like, yeah. Wow, what a like, yeah, like, I mean, it's um, it's both like a brand new medium and a very old medium, right? Like the audio drama. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And actually the, I mean, uh, they had to drop it for the TV show, but the um, uh, podcast is all, um, what do you call it? Um found found footage found uh, uh yeah um like um what's the word i'm looking for like it's um like uh like dracula where it's all like letters and diaries oh and uh, it's epistolary yes that's the word i couldn't think of the word yes yeah. yes so, so it's, it's, it's all... people's letters and things diaries yeah it's all recordings and um tv phone conversations oh, okay yeah. okay um 
but uh yeah they had to drop that for the tv show but um uh it's also funny because the uh, the podcast has big name stars in it like it's um david schwimmer and uh i think oscar isaac and okay yeah i didn't know that actors like that were on podcasts but yeah, that just goes yeah to they're, show they're on this one and then they are then they got completely different big stars for their tv show mm. um okay they're like you're not good enough anymore we need julia roberts <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this guy but, the, this this guy is now tackling metropolis the fritz lang yeah. film yes okay exactly. um okay i don't know i don't know how they're going to approach that um but it's just, it's in the news. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's both new and and noteworthy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, talk about like going, going way back. And that's really interesting because Metropolis is one of the great early original films, right? Like where it's a really original concept that could only be done in film the way they did it. And now uh-huh. to be coming back to that, it's got to be a hundred years or more. So that's really, uh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. And Sam Esmail, I I get the feeling that he is um, he thinks that he is very smart and very talented, um, <laughs> and he and so, that's mostly true, I think. But it's it's <laughs> but it's 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 kind of clear that he has this high opinion of himself. I don't know because um, I I remember that that he did the first season of Mr. Robot. And then after that, he was like, I'm directing every episode from now on. So it's like the other directors were like, not good enough, or he didn't have enough control. Or something. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, uh, yeah. So a TV show of Metropolis, will, it could be in black and white. They could just go all the way back, like oh, be black cool. and white and, and all practical effects and yeah. uh, silent. Yeah. It could be silent. Yeah. Maybe the time has come. Yeah, and with like the um, like the makeup and everything, yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, well, Metropolis is. I guess we should wrap up our talk about Metropolis because it's that's not the subject of tonight's yeah. show. But I, 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 it is like such a fascinating film, like how um, so much of it has been lost and recovered over time, and mm-hmm. um, and the way it's been like pieced together. I remember I watched it for the first time. Think sometime in the late 1990s and it i can't remember if it was like the old version that was like really choppy where they hadn't found some of the pieces uh, or if it was the later version because i think i've i think at this point i've seen both but it's been a long time for both of them um so yeah hmm. very very interesting okay i think i think that was really good okay all right what you got well, okay, okay. Mine is the other day. Uh, speaking of old school things that I watched in the '90s, I was rewatching *The English Patient*, mm-hmm. um, and which really made a huge impression on me back when it came out. I think it came out in like '95, '96, mm-hmm. and I was rewatching, it and it's good. It's like still a, it's still a good, good movie. Um, I watched it in sort of three episodes because uh, I didn't have the the attention span to watch it all in, in one. So I sort of made up my own little television show out of it. Right. And uh, it was really good. I really enjoyed it still. Uh, it made a, you know, like it, it lands pretty well, like emotionally, visually. I think, I think that they, they did, did a good job. And I was curious too, to rewatch it because I finally finished the novel. I think I started the novel not long after 
watching the movie. And mm-hmm. I think the novel took me something like 18 years to finish. <laughs> you know, I like always just put it on the side and I just finished it last year. So I was like, okay, I'm going to rewatch um, the English patient. And overall, I think that they, they really did a good job of adapting it. Um, although there's some really interesting differences, of course, you know, because novels always are expanding outwards. Um, that novel is a novel about multiple characters in different time periods um, who all come together in, in like this villa in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. But in the, uh, in the novel, of course, as you can imagine, you know, you go out and you're like with Kip, uh, the, the Sikh um, bomb uh, diffuser as he's doing his training in England and you're with the, the thief Caravaggio in, mm-hmm. in Montreal and you're, you're seeing the different characters in the different places and it kind of gives a wider scope. And also um, the novel ends on a note that I won't spoil, but a note that's radically different in some ways than what is done in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a note that's uh, much more actually... Um, sort of grand historical and this uh, it's 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 um it's pushing very much towards uh it, it deals with uh historical events like the bombing of hiroshima and nagasaki and things like that which is uh-huh. i wasn't ready for that when i had finished the novel i didn't or the, the the film i didn't expect the novel to be doing that so i was like okay that's really interesting overall i think that that film uh, was a very good ad- adaptation but then i noticed that they're re-adapting it and so it's being it's going to be made into a tv show um by the bbc um and it's being um like the showrunner or the person who's creating it is a is a writer who i don't know at all whose name is emily balu okay and i find that interesting because she is both she's both worked on television but she's also known as like a as a as a as a, a person who writes poetry um a person who writes novels so i think it's actually kind of promising because the book is quite uh, the book itself is quite literary in its aspirations. It's um, going back to the work of Herodotus, and it's very much about like the idea of like the fluidity of the story, uh, and and so I think it's it's interesting to have somebody with a, who seems to have a lot of like literary bona fides to be like taking on this story. And I think that the size of a not of a TV show might be uh, able to accommodate some of the things in the some of the grandiose elements of the of the book. So I, I'm I'm quite interested to see it. I I really like the film still. Uh, it I think it stands up really well after after over tw- almost twenty. Oh no, gosh, almost yeah, almost twenty years. Yeah. But um, I'm really looking forward to. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm I have to say I'm intrigued to see what they do with the English patient in the late 21st century, in the mid 21st century. Now that we're there, mm-hmm. did they say anything about? Um, is it a limited series and how many episodes or anything like that? I di- I didn't see any information on like that, and there I didn't see any casting or anything like that, as far as mm-hmm. I could tell. Um, so yeah, I think it's quite it's it's still it's still quite early in the thing. I would imagine it's going to be a limited, a limited series, you know, maybe eight episodes. I could imagine the story being told really well in eight hours. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. (laughs) You saw, I I think I even saw that with you. Yeah. I remember, I remember going to see it with you at um, probably Pacific theaters somewhere. Um, I think so. Yeah. And it was like, we were planning on seeing something else and it was like the only thing still showing that 
or something like that. <laughs> like, okay, let's watch this. <laughs> and then we, uh, my parents were supposed to pick us up and they, were, they weren't expecting us to be watching a three-hour movie. So they were pretty pissed when um, <laughs> it was over. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel no. bad. Yeah, it's fine. You know, it was 20 I, years ago. Uh, it's true. They probably have forgotten about it, if not forgiven. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, actually coming back, coming back to something that haven't not watched it for a long time. Uh, definitely like a new part of my brain was opened up to the infinite hotness of Rafe Fines in that film. Uh-huh. Like, I think I wasn't really like my teenage self wasn't like clued in to that, like, you know, t- to, to that element of reality. But uh-huh. now I was like watching, I was like, good God, that is the fine man. <laughs> he looks pretty good. He's really selling the passion. I was like, I was, I was, I was on board with it. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Who, who's the uh, lead actress in that? I can't remember. Um, Kristen Scott Thomas. Oh, really? Uh, huh. Yeah, I, I think so. Right. Uh, I, right. I, I hope I'm not crazy. Our, um, our listeners will uh, chime in and tell us in the in the comments on the podcast. <laughs> we'll yeah, it's it's point. always good when people look things up on a podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it Julia Pinoche? Well, she's the um she's the French Canadian woman in it. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, and then there's Kristen Top. Oh, and William yeah. Defoe's in it. Okay, I do not remember him. Yeah. Oh, and Naveen Andrews is the. Uh... Yes. That's funny. It's funny yes. to see to like not know who they were when we saw it, and then like know who these people are later no my uh my uh, my girlfriend was watching it and she was like oh it's the guy from lost and i was like yes yeah. from before lost uh-huh he's also on another show that um uh just started that we started watching called the dropout the, about the um uh theranos oh, about uh yes yes yeah. yes yes yeah um but we we looked him up on, you know, we always do that thing too when we're watching, especially we will end up watching like movies from the 90s and we'll look up what people have been up to since then. And we we noticed that he's been like consistently in like 14 different long running TV shows since the time uh, of loss. So he's been, he's been working. He's been working. Uh, he's been working good. hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not suffering. <laughs> okay. Should we get to our main topic? Yeah, so that was new and notable. And so our main topic today, so let's, without any further ado, um, so we're going to be looking at a book that you turned me on to, Jonas. It's called Replay, and it's a 1986 novel by uh, Ken Grimwood. And I hadn't heard about it at all. And a few years ago, you were like, oh, you got to read this book. It's really cool. Uh Um, And it's kind of a, it's kind of an um, understated classic. And, and so maybe you can, tell me and the audience what it, the heck is this book about uh yeah uh i actually i can't remember how i got turned on to it i probably it was probably like on a blog post somewhere it was like a list of books you should read or something like that i feel like that i would have been reading something like that um uh the premise is kind of like groundhog days uh there's a guy who's reliving a part of his life over and over um but it's a longer period. Uh, it's like a period of about 25 years um, that he's doing over and over. Um, and that's the basic premise. So it, it's in, uh, like in Groundhog Day, he tries different things in each iteration. But yeah, should I get into the um, uh, recap? Yeah, we can, talk about the, we can talk about the plot. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna head, we're gonna go ahead and spoil it if you haven't if you haven't read it. So uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening, I guess. <laughs> we'll put the timestamp in. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so it's about uh, this character named Jeff Winston, who is, uh, it starts in 1988, and he's 43 years old. Uh, we learn that he's um, married to a woman named Linda, and he's a radio reporter. And this gets out of the way pretty fast, because uh, in the first couple pages, he dies of a heart attack. And then, <laughs> and then he wakes up, uh, and it's 1963, and he's 18 years old, and he's in college again. He uh, is dating this, um, his college girlfriend, Judy, and um, they're on their way to see uh, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. Um, but he is like, I can't date you again. So he breaks up with her and he rem and he's like, um, I, I think I don't remember that he is, there's never a part where he's like, oh, this is a dream or what's, what's happening. He cottons on to what's going on pretty fast that he's somehow traveled back in time um and so he is like i need to bet on sports and i would not be if this happened to me i would be at a loss because i do not remember who won anything but he immediately got <laughs> to bet on the kentucky derby i remember that when you're reading it like it's one of the very first things that he does he he, he remembers that like a certain horse is going to win the kentucky derby and like do the preakness dates yeah, and, and it's like and the he, dark horse he, it's the real like yeah and he he just knows it all and it is really funny if i were to go back to um being 18 i would i wouldn't remember what years or anything yeah. like that yeah so he uh, he gets his friend Frank to go in on it with him because he need, he doesn't have any money. So it's like gets him to go on it with him. Uh, they win on the Kentucky Derby. They go to Vegas. They bet on more sports there. He meets this sexy woman, Sharla. They, you know, he travels to Europe with her. He bets on the World Series and wins a bunch of money there. And then he starts this company called Future Inc. with his friend Frank. And their main thing that they do is invest in stocks, the stocks that are like going to go up. Um, like Apple and IBM and stuff, basically. Right, because he's right. using all of like, as you would expect, he's using all of his like future knowledge of everything. Yeah, and he just becomes ridiculously rich, right? Yeah, I it, they don't say it here, but I think at one point in one of the later parts of the book, they're like, "Oh yeah, I was like the richest person in the world back then." <laughs> no, he tries to. Um, JFK is about to be assassinated. He knows, so oh, yeah. he so he tries to tip. He tips off the FBI by writing a letter to them as pretending to be Oswald and um, saying, you know, making threats against the president. And then he's, uh, and then he sees on TV that um, JFK gets killed by some other guy. Right. So, so he figures e either the conspiracy is big enough that they could just slot someone else in, in his place or somehow like the time stream is like correcting itself. Yes. Um, and yes, JFK yes, was yes. just always supposed to die. He uh, then he finds uh, his wife from his first life, Linda, and tries to pursue her. But she's just like creeped out and weirded out by him. And, and she's like, stop calling me. Um, <laughs> so he marries this woman named Diane, this socialite, and he has a daughter. Um, he goes be, when he's getting to the point where he was he would died in his first life. He goes to the cardiologist and all the doctors and tries to have his heart checked, and they're like, "You're fine." And he dies the exact same way at the exact same time. Exactly, um, he has a heart attack at the same time, and then he wakes up again. Right, uh, and it's he, 1963 again, and this time he wakes. He comes to in the movie theater with the birds playing. Um, 
And he's most upset because his daughter just never existed. Uh, right, because he had a family in his in his first reincarnation, his first loop, his first replay. He had a he had a he had a life, and mm-hmm. he was happy actually. And it and then it just ceases to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so this time he bets on the Kentucky Derby again. He doesn't break up with his girlfriend Judy. He asks her to marry him. Um, he invests a little bit of money so that he's comfortable, but he doesn't get fabulously wealthy. Uh, he has a vasectomy so that he doesn't have any more kids that will just never exist next time. Uh, but they adopt two children. Um, again, he tries to check himself into the hospital to to not die, but he, he still dies. Uh, in his third replay, um, he goes back to 1963. He This time he's on his, in the car on his way home from the movie. Um, he uh, bets on the Kentucky Derby again. When you, back. when you know you can win you, yeah. just, you just keep doing it yeah um he goes and um uh finds the girl that he was with in the first life charla and um hooks up with her again they fly to paris he lives this kind of like hedonist life where he has lots of like um sex and drugs and orgies um he's on his way back from europe with charla and they think the plane seems like it's almost going to crash has to make an emergency landing and he's like um kind of traumatized by that and he's like i can't be with charlotte this is like not real um so he just becomes a recluse at that point he moves to this cabin in the mountains of northern california um and at this point it's 1974 he goes into town for some supplies and he sees a poster for this movie the sci-fi movie called starcy <laughs> and the store clerk is like you gotta see it it's the best movie and he's, he finds out it's like the biggest movie in the world. And he's like, what is this? I've never heard of it. It's, you know, I would have, I would have remembered this, that like Star Wars hasn't come out yet. Um, so he's, so he looks at, he watches the movie. Um, and what's the movie about Francois? If you the, remember. The movie. <laughs> I love this moment in the, in the, in the, in the book, because it's so mind-blowing and also just ridiculous at the same time so this movie starcy is about um it's about aliens who come to the earth i think and then they like connect humans and dolphins and so it's all about like the dolphin human alien connection uh it's really new agey yeah. mumbo jumbo stuff and 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 in this universe it's like the biggest uh, hit of all time but there's a good reason that it's the biggest hit of all time because the director is the steven young spielberg. steven spielberg who has right. not made uh close encounters of the third kind or anything like that the right. special effects are but like george lucas george lucas and it's written but it's written by a woman that he's never heard of yeah pamela phillips so yeah also it's funny when he goes to see the movie the line is like around the block and everyone in his line is like, this is my third time seeing it. And, and like people are like crying in yeah, the movie. Yeah. They like totally love it. I, I remember I remember when I read about it, you know what I thought that I realized the movie that Starcy is a little bit like? I mean, it's so cheesy 80s concept of a movie. I love it. But it's really a little bit like Avatar would be uh-huh. later on. And I think it's actually like when I realized that like what it is is like basically like Avatar, I it kind of became more believable believable to me that it would be sort of it could be popular right because avatar is still like 
the biggest movie in the world or something or yeah, something three, like that maybe? and it's yeah and I, I and it's super cheesy and i i'm like one of these people who likes avatar it's like uh-huh. it's like it's the worst but like i saw it two times in the theater and i like like i cried you know yeah <laughs> um yeah so anyway he watches the movie and sees the credits are steven spielberg george lucas and pamela phillips and he's like who is pamela phillips so he uses his uh money and connections to get a meeting with her and uh she is like why are we talking i don't have time for this i'm very busy and he's like well what about star wars and when when is that uh are you you know planning on producing that what about close encounters what about et what about raiders (laughs) of the lost ark and she's like okay wait who are you Right, because he's figured it out. She also is another person who's replaying her right. life. Right. Um, so they uh, exchange stories. You know, he tells her what's been going on with him. Um, and she tells her story, which is in her first life, um, she was an art student, married with two kids, died of a heart attack when she was 39, uh, the same day and time that, that he did. Um and she, when she restarts her replays, she's 14 years old, which is awful for her because she has no like power or um, uh, agency. You know, she's forced to live with her parents and redo high school over and over. And, and just a reminder, she's not only 14 years old, she's a 14 year old girl in the 19, Six, early 60s, 1960s, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, so she, she, she's really like stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like when she first replays, her parents send her to a psychiatrist because she's like not handling it well. And she tells the she's honest with the psychiatrist about what she thinks is going on and tells him that, you know, JFK is going to be assassinated. And then they see it on TV and it's not Oswald. And she's like, wait, what? But the psychiatrist is also like freaked out. <laughs> but anyway, so in, in her first replay, she becomes a doctor instead of an artist. Um but then uh, when she dies again, she becomes, you know, a teenager again, uh, becomes an artist again, but she's like a much more successful artist this time. And I thought this was really funny. She marries Dustin Hoffman in that life. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it's so she, funny. She like always has fond memories of him, right? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's Dustin like, oh, yeah, wonderful. Dustin. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> So it, so from him, she kind of like knew about the movie business and stuff. Um, so this is the life after the one where she was married to Dustin Hoffman that they're in now where she made Starsy, which she made because she wants to awaken humanity to like new levels of consciousness of that, <laughs> that she's awakened to in all her replays. Right. Um, so uh because she was familiar with the film industry and she knows like who's going to be a big deal. She hires people like before they're successful. Like she, she's handpicking like actors and producers and directors that are already like going to be important. I can't remember who else she name drops, but it's like, and it's always like the other people in in the production are like, wait, you're hiring them. They don't have any experience. And then they turn out to be wild. Trust me. Trust me. Which I, uh, uh, I have an issue with, I mean, it's like, she gets Steven Spielberg to make her movie before he made Jaws. And it's like, uh, I'm sure he was always talented, but also he is awesome because, you know, because he made Jaws, not despite making it, you know? 
Right. Like, or like I he, mean, like, I'll also imagine the dolphin special effects. If like Bruce the shark and Jaws, like yeah. they had to like have him off camera most of the time for it to work. Like it, yeah. it would have been it would been rough to make the like dolphins who talk with us and everything. Yeah, it would not it would not be as uh, flawless and easy as they make it seem in the book. But anyway, um, so she and Jeff kind of um, uh, they're at odds. Like like they don't really get along at first. So they part ways for uh, three and a half years. So uh, they meet back up and um, this time they um, become romantic. They become partners. And right before, before they know they, they're going to die, they like part ways and like, you know, promise to meet up again when they, in the next replay. And here the real complications ensue, right? Uh, yeah. Well, they, okay. So um, in this replay, um, he arrives and he's he's back in his childhood home because he's on summer break from school um which is new and then but he's um, but he's he's 18 years old still right yeah um and so he drives to connecticut to meet pamela um and she has not returned to her body yet it's still the i don't know how to explain it's still like her original self right so so, that hasn't time traveled yet Exactly. And then I think I think we're getting into some of the complications that would ever uh, that would affect the adaptation of this novel. Would have, yeah, would have to tap film. dance around. Yeah, right. Because she um, as she is a she is a character is 14 years old. And right. and he the, shows up as an 18 year old and her parents are like, <laughs> go away. Um, and he just kind of. Um, so he has to just kind of live his life for a year and a half. And then she manages to send him a telegram that she's come back. So now she's 15. But now suddenly has her brain of her right, adult yeah. self. Yeah. Her multiple adult self. Right. And she has to plead with her parents to let her see Jeff. And they're like, oh, okay, only under supervision. Um, <laughs> when you and, turn 16, you can start dating him. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and actually in the book, when they're 16 and he's 20, they're having sex. Yeah. Yeah, right. they, which like is, they go away. They go away for the weekend they, and like pretend to be watching movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, they talk about um, they. Neither of them came back when they expected to come back, and so they they realize that they they kind of compare notes and realize that they were coming back a little bit later each time, and they uh, think, well, maybe if there's if two of us are replaying, there's others could be replaying too. So they place ads in papers all over the world. Um, and I have the text here of the ad, which is, uh, do you remember Watergate, Lady Die, the shuttle disaster, the Ayatollah, Rocky, Flashdance? If so, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they get a lot of responses and, um, uh, and none of them seem like they're real. Um, and then they get a letter from this guy named Stuart McCowan. And I have the text of that too, which is funny. Dear whoever, you forgot to mention Chappaquiddick. That's coming up again pretty soon now. And what about the Tylenol scare or the Soviets shooting down the Korean 747? Everyone remembers those. Anytime you want to talk, head on out this way. We can reminisce about the good old days to come. Now, I think it's funny because the ones that they had in their ad, I was like, yeah, I know what all of those are. Those are obvious things. But did you know what off the Chappaquiddick and all of those were off I know what I knew I, I knew what Chappaquiddick was but I didn't know about I don't I still don't even know what the Soviets shooting on the Korean uh liner I'm sure it, it's a thing that happened and what yeah. was the other one I didn't catch the it Tylenol scare 
Oh, that one I know about. Yeah. yeah. Like that's why that's why we have like the little wrappers on top of our tile yeah. all like yeah. yeah. That one I, I knew of, but I, I I think I hadn't thought of it in like, you know, who knows how long. And Chappaquiddick were, I, I but knew you were of, like five. Right. <laughs> but and Chappaquiddick I knew of, but not by that name, which I I just knew as Ted Kennedy killed that girl, you know. Like yeah. it's the basically what happens in um succession. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, I just thought it was funny that theirs were all really obvious re- references and his are like kind of like, you really have to have lived the 70s to get these. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, they travel to meet this guy and it turns out he, they're, they don't know where they're going. And then when they get there, it turns out it's a mental hospital. That he's right. He, he, he's insane. He, he's, in an, in, he's in an insane asylum and not just from sort of like an innocent like how she was in her first life where she's like this is my reality you don't believe me but it's true but Mm -hmm. rather he believes that aliens are causing this kind of replay structure like that the whole universe is a thing for aliens to enjoy themselves and he has to kill human beings for other aliens enjoyment so he's he's a batch he's a he's a wild crazy murderer and they realize like the only other person who's in the same situation with them that they can find is not appropriate as a friend yeah he thinks he believes that the aliens are replaying events for their own entertainment and they really like violence that's why they're replaying the 20th century (laughs) and so he has to entertain them or they'll stop replaying it and the world will end So so he calls it he calls his killings the appeasement and he's like you guys haven't been doing the appeasement? <laughs> um, and also, uh, um, he, um, Pamela is also freaked out because he's like, oh yeah, I remember Starcy when that came out. I figured out you were a replayer. And, but that, that movie really gave me, it really spoke to me and gave me a sense of purpose. <laughs> so she feels really guilty about that too. <laughs> And then for the rest of that replay, they continue to look for other replayers, but they don't find any others. Okay, so in their next replay, um, it's kind of interesting because this one starts from Pam's point of view in her original... Before... Her original, like, before she arrives in her body. Yeah. And she and she's, like, noticing this um, Jeff hanging out and kind of, like, watch. She's, like, this townie is, like, hanging out in town and... <laughs> Seems like he's watching me sometimes, but I don't mind or something. And then she, and then it, it abruptly shifts and she's back in her body and she's like, oh, there's Jeff. Yeah. Um, and he, in his time and waiting for her to come back, he's decided maybe they, this time they should go public and tell the whole world that they're replaying. Um, so how they do is they run a full page out in the paper with a bunch of predictions for the next year and say, at the end of this year, we'll hold a press conference and explain everything. Um, and so um, at this press conference, they um, you know, say, you know, we're replayers and this is what's been going on. Also, there's this guy, Stuart McCowan, watch, watch out for him. They're approached by this guy named Hedges from the State Department, who is, um, he's like, well, maybe we can help each other. Um, you know, you, you help tell the U.S. like important information about what the future is and we'll like help you study this phenomenon. Because that's what that's what they wanted out of going public was um, science to study what was going on and try and explain it. 
And, but he doesn't really come through with his part of the bargain. He basically um, holds them prisoner and um, routinely gives them interrogations under truth serum to get like, you know, the facts out of them about what's going on. And then, you know, after a couple of years of this, like events have changed so much from because they're they because it's the, like the it's the butterfly effect right because they'll yeah. say that something's going to happen and the u.s government will do something and then so the universe is like actually like totally messed up and not like nothing is going yeah. according to plan as yeah so yeah so like for instance they're like watch out for Gaddafi, and they have Gaddafi execute uh assassinated and then um so then they're like well we don't know what's going to happen now because it's all different um, but there's hedges like won't let them go. So that's the end of that's the rest of that replay. Is they're just and they, yeah, they like they literally spend like their whole lives like being imprisoned and interrogated by the United States government. They're like yeah. the goose who laid the golden eggs, who is yeah. like it like they and so they're like okay, let's not do that again. Mm-hmm. And also they they can't make anything good happen, right? Like because yeah. there's always the law of unintended. Uh, there's so many unintended consequences that happen almost every single time that they try and affect anything that it really becomes a kind of weird moral quandary where they can't get anything done and they can't make any positive effects on the on the world right Mm -hmm. um yeah and also like everything they do like it's the it's up to the u.s to to act on it and the u.s by this time has become a total like fascist state and yeah um anyway that's uh, the most science fictiony of the different timelines right that's the one that yeah. goes the furthest into the concepts of, of, yeah. uh, of an uh, yeah. alternate universe yeah everything else is pretty much history as we know it um but anyway uh so in their next replay uh when it, he starts replaying it's 1968 and he's already dating his wife from his first life linda and he doesn't leave her he stays with her um it takes eight more years for pam to come back this time right Right. And like, so to put that into context, they're, they're really the, the amount of time that they're replaying their lives is getting shorter and shorter. And especially hers is getting much, much shorter, shorter than right? her, like, shorter than his is. Yeah. Yeah. She comes back later than he does. And they, yeah, they leave it. They both die at the same time. Um, and she's come back in her replay. Uh, um, and she has already had her first child and is pregnant with her second. And he becomes a writer this time and wins a and wins a Pulitzer. And she's a very successful artist. But they kind of like both stay in their own relationships for that right, role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in his next uh, replay, it's he comes back in 1976. He's already married to Linda, and they already have a bad marriage. And it's because in his previous one, they they had really gotten along the whole time. And in in this one, it's the it's already like he's like already kind of like oh this is not going down the right. Path. His, his, I can't save his, this marriage. His youthful self has already ruined it by the time he gets into it. Right. 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 And she she comes back in 1984, so like 12 years later this time, and he's back in the cabin where he was a recluse in California, and he's left a message for her to bring her kids with her when if she's coming to visit them, and they're 11 and eight years old. Um, and she only, it's 1984. So she is only, this life for her is only four years long. And they, they say a goodbye. Cause they think this is probably her last replay because it's beginning so much shorter each time. So when his next one is 1985 and he goes and finds Pamela and he starts dating her. Um, and she has not 
come back. So this is her original time right she's herself. she's not aware of him she, right. this is the this is the original person but he knows her really well because he's yeah. already lived with the, uh, the 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 adult version well she's an adult at this point but she he's lived with the long-lived immortal semi-immortal version of her right and she is married so they're having an affair and then the replaying pamela comes back into her body while they're kissing and she's really upset with him. She's like, you used your knowledge to like seduce me. And, and she's like, what, what year is that? How much time do I have in a turn? And at that point she has five days left. Yeah. So she just runs away and is not, you know, happy, happy with him. And then uh, on his next replay, he comes back, it's 1988 and he comes back and there's, he has nine minutes to live. And then <laughs> cause he just comes to and looks at the clock and is like, Oh shit. And then he immediately replays and has, two minutes to live on the next one and then it it cycles over and over again each time and, and each time it's really painful too which sucks yeah. he's having a heart attack right yeah and th- th- this is this is i think like one of the most existentially horrific things that i've seen in a in a novel right like that like when he's eventually like living and dying every like minute every second every millisecond eventually right yeah. it's really insane yeah um so then uh, finally he has the heart attack and has the pain, but it, it passes and he looks at the clock and like a minute has passed and he's finally like in the future of his life. Um, and um, he calls Pamela and she's come back too. And they, they both are like, okay, well, we need to take a little time to figure out what to do. Maybe we'll meet up or maybe we won't, but they, it kind of ends on this, uh, this tone of, um, well, from here, you know, the future is wide open. The possibilities are endless. Uh, it's it's a hopeful note that it ends on. Right. It's like an ambiguous yet open, open-ended concept. Yeah. And then there's a stinger, right? Yeah, there's an epilogue where there's a new character uh, who I think is Swiss or Norwegian, Swedish, maybe. I yeah, think Norwegian. He's Norwegian. Yeah, and he ha- has started his first replay in 1988 and having died just died in 2017 and he's like oh i have a whole life ahead of me right so we know and that course, this is happening again yeah and just a reminder this book was written in 1986 right so like yeah. 2017 is the far future for the yeah. for the author yeah all right so uh that's the recap what do you what do you think of this book so i i remember that i thought this book was really quite interesting um it it you know it covers ground that we feel like we've seen a lot in in films like groundhog day in edge of tomorrow in palm springs in just uh even in um it's a wonderful life you'd like to go kind of even further back with the idea of like going back into your earlier self but i think it pushes it it just pushes it really in an extreme direction because the amount of time that he has to live is very long, 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the interactions that he has with the, another person who um, is also going through the same thing are really sort of interesting. And I think basically well written and well played. Like we said, there's like a certain element of like, extreme discomfort and cringe factor in it because you know the author has created 
it's sort of an unforced error, right? He didn't have to do this. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. from a, the point of view of an adaptation, it would be extremely difficult to to go with the letter of the book. That said, the situation that he creates is insanely interesting and difficult and uh, sort of like mentally vexing, you know, like the to to, that to figure out her body like, is underage, but her mind is adult. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, like what is the, like, but it's so icky that it's you... <laughs> super icky. It's super intense, you know, yeah. um, it's just on the line. It's really, uh, it's really just, just on the line and uh, it's really wild. Um, uh, I think that he actually like, right. He wrote the character of Pamela in a sort of very, you know, I won't say that there's not some stereotypical elements to it, uh, but I think that she's pretty well defined as a character. And I, I think that the that especially towards the end where um, the two characters, like it's not just like a classic love story where it's like, we are meant to be together. We're absolute soulmates, no matter what happens. It's like, yes, we are meant to be together. We are totally soulmates and yet, uh, they can like make each other angry. They spend many, uh, many years apart. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, at the end when um, her last time when they, they, they meet up with each other, she feels extremely like used and abused by the fact that he got to know her pre uh, replay pre awakening mm -hmm. uh, person. And so I, I think that I, I feel like this novel is just ultra rich in its themes Um it, like it is genuinely weird, disturbing, um, gets like sort of nightmarish at the end. Cause you know, you know, now we've, at this point, we've all seen Groundhog Day and we all know that like Bill Murray wakes up at the end and gets to move on with his life. Mm -hmm. But I didn't hundred percent think, know that that was going to happen in this novel. So yeah, you thought he might when, just get his last yeah. replay and die. Yeah. 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 Like when their when their lives are getting really really short, I really did not have a a, a sure sense that um, there was going to be a happy ending. And I have to say, I really appreciate that there's like quite a bittersweet ending. And and we didn't get too much into this, but I remember when I was reading this novel, I um, I found it really moving. Also, just that it's almost an um, I found like the moral of this novel was almost. Uh, anti-active if that makes any sense like it it seemed like the there was not too many ways that an individual the characters seem to find that there's not too many ways that an individual can change the world on their own right. like in the course of their lifetime but that the one thing that they that you we all can do in the course of our lifetime is just try and live our best life try and take care of those people who are close to us, um, try and like kind of quote unquote, do no harm in the world, like mm -hmm. not, not, be, not be evil and um, enjoy what we have because we might not get it back. And, and honestly, I found all that like really moving. And I think it all could be really rich for an adaptation, even though it is, it presents some really difficult and complicated uh, challenges for whatever that adaptation might be. Yeah. Um... Yeah, like you said, like they, um, he tries to stop uh, JF the JFK assassination once, and then it's just like, well, that didn't work. And then 
they, they, he doesn't do a lot of trying to make the world a better place after that. Right. I, yeah. I think I, guess he... I think knowing that it's going to be erased each time. But I mean, they do talk about um, they. Yeah, like it's they They have a very do no harm kind of perspective because they also they talk about, you know, maybe those um, replays that we lived, even though we died in them, maybe they, they continue. continue on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that, that happens often in the book is um, because it's a novel. So there's like a little bit of space, even it's quite a short and a quick read, you know, like our, our, our recap of it, you know, like it makes it feel long, you know, you go through all these different replays, but it actually happens really fast in the book. And, but they do have the room to kind of get into the, what would you say, like the philosophy, right? Like, like these are mm-hmm. characters who spend their whole lives anticipating their own deaths and rebirths so they spend a good amount of time like thinking about like what the heck does this all mean mm-hmm. and like sometimes they're like oh is like is all of life a simulacrum like yeah. has life does life only exist between like the years 1963 and 1988 and all the rest of it does there's no future there's no past and i we just happen to be aware of the fact that this exists like they get into some like pretty philosophical stuff in the book mm-hmm. if, yeah, if i recall correctly yeah for sure uh, should we get into how would this be a movie sure or or is a movie would the, is a movie the best yeah like how would you what would you do if you were gonna uh, i think we both like this book like if you were gonna bring it into some some other medium like what format do you think it would work in i think it could work as a movie um it wouldn't be as a very plot heavy movie it would be one about like tone and kind of yeah setting a mood apart from the part with the uh serial killer and the part where they're um kidnapped by the government um it's not you know it's not like a it's not really like they're they're trying to get out of the situation or solve the problem like like um they are in groundhog day or palm springs you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're it's just it's just their lives um but uh i think it I think it could be a movie. Um, what do you think about the time that it's set in? Should it should would it stay nineteen sixty three to nineteen eighty eight? No, yeah, that's that. If we were to adapt it now, I think you would just adapt it now. Um, and so it would be the same sort of time period. Like, let's say this movie is coming out in twenty. Uh, 2022 2023 movie tv show whatever i think that the characters would be waking up in the late 1990s um so their their jfk moment is going to be 9 11 right uh, i would say i don't know yeah i thought about that too and i that's definitely would be the thing you try and stop but then it's like i feel like for some reason with the jfk thing it's like you can do it once and then like oh you failed there was a conspiracy or whatever it's not fixable but with 9-11 it's like oh you got to keep trying <laughs> it's, too, it's not one man it's like too yeah. big a deal you have to like dedicate your like four lives yeah before. or something i don't know but it, it seems like i don't know i guess if i were watching this movie and they they tried to stop 9-11 and they didn't do it i would like and they were like well we can't do it i would i would kind of uh i would have a hard the time stick- with those characters Right, like the stakes are pretty high, right? Like yeah. it's like uh, then it just like, becomes a different movie. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true, <laughs> and 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 it's like it it is really you know actually I th- I found it you know I think almost every reader who's going to read this 
book is going to think about like themselves. Like, what if I woke up and I was 18 years old? What if I woke up and I was 14 years old? And of course, you know, you and I are in our forties now, Mm -hmm. Um, our early forties. We're right around the age of the the main characters. Yeah. Yeah. Of the main character when he dies. And I think you can't help but, um, contemplate like what you would do differently like Mm -hmm. what knowledge you would have um you know on the like on the most basic level of like can i stop 9-11 or on the more uh, on a much more complicated level of like can what what would make my life be a better life and how would i be happy of in Mm -hmm. the years if i had to relive the years like 1998 to 2022 over and over and over again Mm -hmm. um like uh can like try and I, I don't know there's so many things you can try and do or not do <laughs> and um so yeah I mean uh maybe it's like maybe it's an over complication to set it contemporaneous like, like in the contemporary world it seems like you have to set it in the contemporary world um it might be it would be in some ways it, maybe it would be great as a, a period piece though like um mm-hmm set in the 80s to the 60s or the other thing i often think about it is that um maybe uh the best formula for this is not um is not a film but more a tv show so you can spend a little bit more time with each thing like you could i i kind of like the idea of like maybe spending a whole episode uh in the character's life like mm-hmm. the the first episode is like the character's normal life, and then at the end of the episode, he he dies and he wakes up and he's eighteen. Uh-huh. And then the second episode is maybe his first life, and then you start doing some of the lives like shorter mm-hmm. and shorter and shorter, and you get to like a kind of a really intense uh, finale eventually, where you know like it all comes to a head, and then it it begins again. But then maybe you reach into what the author was doing with his sort of uh epilogue at the end where he has somebody else being reborn mm-hmm. in the 80s from the from the year 2017 and what that person is thinking about the uh, the world and so you could maybe expand out like uh then it gives you a, a chance to like kind of create a, a whole replay universe that that goes <laughs> in any number of different directions right yeah so it's yeah so then that's like season two or something it could, yeah, like it, yeah. It, 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 it could be, and then you have new characters, and and uh, and then like I don't know, maybe there's all sorts of like other weird complications that you come up with it, you know. But yeah, like I mean, I can definitely imagine like the fifth episode, like it, it would be. It's a, they did this a little bit in uh, Russian Doll, uh, which is mm-hmm. I, I really liked, uh, but where you're going through the series of repetitions and then suddenly it introduces an X factor mm-hmm. um, several episodes in. And so then Pamela in this case would be the X factor that changes the status quo of the TV show, changes what the rhythm and the vibe of the show is. And then mm-hmm. I can, I can really easily imagine that episode with the the serial killer being kind of interesting. And so like to give it a little bit more space, um, although I can see it as a, I can see what you're saying as a, as a film, um, it would just be that you would sometimes shorten things down to just like one minute, one minute or five minute little scenes or, or montages almost, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I like structure wise, you have to put in a film, you, you have to do his first two replays in like the first 20 minutes and, right. and then, and then he, 
discover Starcy at that 20 minute mark, I think. And that, right. kind, of, that kind of sets the direction for the movie. Um, and, and it's crazy, right? Because like, and that's, you, that's kind a of lot. See, yeah. you can kind of see maybe why this film, ha- this hasn't been made into a film, right? Because that's much more the rhythm that you have in Groundhog Day where you're living one day over and over because mm-hmm. um, you can fit in all the incidents of a day and it can make logical sense in that short time frame of like that first act of a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas how are you going to do one whole life from the years 18 to 43, two or three times in, the, in that same time period. It's very hard. Yeah. You don't get to do those, those, um, you know, like in groundhog day, it's got, um, the same things happen every morning to him where, you know, um, the guy tries to sell him the insurance. He steps on the puddle, um, you know, uh, and that, and that gives you the rhythm of each day, but in a, in a replay, you, well, first of all, he comes back in a different, slightly different time every time. There wouldn't be those little minutiae that would be the same every time. I guess you could do like the, the, the betting on the derby and stuff like that would be the same. Although, yeah, well, yeah, because you could you could fit in some of that stuff. You know, you, you establish it once and then you can do the same thing in like uh, three quick little um, Guy Ritchie style cuts or something like that. You know, like you put the money down and you and you and you you get on your way with your your bet or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's true it's like this novel's a little bit different it's it's less about what's the same and more about what's different each Mm -hmm. time um where you where it's like groundhog day which i love so much is really about the character looking and seeing like the insane minutiae like i know every single thing that's going to happen yeah and in this it's much more like how how are things changing over time? How am I changing as a person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. I think I would go longer. I think, and and now that we're in this like era where like good TV shows can come out and be uh, succinct and interesting and long, I would go longer. I would do like a full season to take care of this book. And then I would, I personally, I think I would leave it open as the author in the original left it open. And in fact, he, I, I know he was working on a sequel to this book when he died. And mm-hmm. yes, the author died young of a heart attack, which oh is God. insane. Yeah, that is crazy. Uh, <laughs> not exactly. He wasn't quite as young as his, his, his character was, but he did uh-huh. die relatively young and he did die of a heart attack. Wow. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see also like with the TV show you do, he goes to meet Pamela uh, and then you get an, a, her, a whole episode that's her lives up to that point. Yeah, it's just yeah. Her. And then the right. same thing with the, with the serial killer, you know, you get a whole episode from his point of view. Right, exactly. And because you and it has there's all this the the structure of this novel has a ton of great cliffhangers in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like where you see that there's a new TV show, you like you meet the person and they, you realize that they're also been repeating the serial killers are great repeat. Also, even just the um uh the where he goes back he goes back into his new life and he goes back to see her and she's too young and she doesn't know who he is and mm-hmm. because she hasn't started repeating that alone is a is a really like nerve-wracking moment in the book and could be like a great moment to end on and i can imagine like the little mm-hmm. water cooler talk about like oh my god like what is going on like you know she right. doesn't know who he is or whatever right and um 
and also just in general, like I think that this it lends itself really well to serialization because there is this like there's a lot of heady ideas in it. There's a lot of weird concepts, and but there's you as an audience member, you get what's going on faster than the characters do, right? Uh -huh. Like you understand like really quickly that they keep repeating their lives faster and faster. Mm -hmm. because for you, you you're just reading. And so it's every 20, 40 pages, you read that thing. Whereas mm -hmm. for them, it's every 25 years, they start over and they don't notice right away that they came back five yeah. minutes later or five hours later. It's really obvious to us as the audience. It would right. be audience obvious to the audience of a TV show. Um, and I think that that would like engender all kinds of exciting spirited debate about like, what's going to happen to the characters? Are they going to like live or survive or anything like that? Mm -hmm. So this takes place over 25 years. How do we tackle the um, the aging of the characters? I had a crazy idea the other day. Okay. I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, we pull a boyhood on this one. Right. I had the same thought. You have the sit like you 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 pick your actors mm -hmm. now and you film it over 20 years and it would be it would be totally nuts. Yeah. But of course that that's, that's impossible to make. But I, I was thinking that that would be such a structural and like, cause it would be totally wild. You'd have to, um, you know, you'd have to like film like 17 different scenes with the characters, like in different timelines. Right. Uh, and it would be, it would be insane. It would be just impossible. In all honesty, probably this is going to just be filmed sort of like Moonlight was. There's going to be about three or four actors. Hmm. They're going to fill that and you're going to pick great actors for every role. And hopefully it's all just going to mesh together, but it's going right. to, it's really going to depend, depend on the casting. It's going to be super difficult. Right. Also um, that, digital makeup has gotten really good too with the aging and de-aging of characters in like um that's really true Marvel movies. that's really true yeah. yep yep so and that, you know apparently that goes like leaps and bounds like every year so maybe that would be really easy right like maybe yeah. in a in a few more years they'll really be able to make uh replay and they'll just be able to cast one actor and one uh -huh. one actress and and just yeah. make them age them yeah like do a benjamin button on it right like uh but but better and and uh better and faster than that was made right now yeah i don't know and there's some actors too that like i don't know it's easier to imagine them as different ages too maybe like i don't have a good example but i was just thinking like maybe there's someone who looks you know with the with just a little bit of makeup and stuff looks could pass for 18 or for 40 you know right as opposed to like i also I'm, I'm i'm blanking on who would be good for it but i'll like as opposed to like say john ham who just eternally is going mm -hmm. to look like 40 years old for all time right, like right. forwards and backwards in time <laughs> like he he can never be 18 in a flashback i, I will never believe that right yeah totally <laughs> Now, speaking of casting, do you have anyone in mind for this? I, I, I you know, I think I, I, I think I failed the homework. I was trying to think about who it would be. I think in the end, because I felt like this was going to be such a, it was sort of inherently going to be an, an ensemble piece that incorporated like teenage actors, uh, uh, middle-aged actors, and yeah, it's not such a big gap, but it, like it's, it, it really, if I was, I think I ended up being in the kind of like, you have to cast multiple times, like sort of like the moonlight style. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, I was really like not 
picturing like one actor to be in the role. Mm -hmm. I kind of failed at my homework. But if I think about it, especially with like the makeup and the de-aging digital stuff, it probably could just be one actor, one actor who can be everything from 18 to 43 uh, and the the female lead, everything from 39 to, uh, you know, you'd probably age that person up just so it was less squicky, uh, you know, the same thing, 39 to 18 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have an idea? Yeah, I I have, I think is a pretty good choice for Jeff, um, which is Matthew Reese. Do you know him? Yes, 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 yes. He's on the Americans and in that uh, HBO Perry Mason. Yes. Um, there's something, especially on the Americans, he is so sad all the time. <laughs> and there's something about, there's something about the, this character in this book who it has kind of just like, not every time not in every replay but there's something he's just kind of down about his situation right 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 i see that i can totally see that i can totally see that yeah and then for pamela i'm not married to this but i was kind of thinking um sarah paulson could be good who is that Can, can you remind me who that is she is in um uh american horror story she was on that ratchet um tv show oh, yes yeah. yes 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 i can yeah i can i i can see that i can see that also yes for her um i think for her you need someone who can seem like they're like an artist but also as like the badass movie producer that she is in the one replay yes like yes, she's kind I of like no nonsense business yes in that yes, one yes, and then yes. and then in the other one she's like very into painting <laughs> <laughs> you know who else might be good um is, now that you bring that 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 idea of like uh somebody who can really project like that sort of like a badass quality is maybe um what is her name um Mackenzie davis from halt and catch fire mm-hmm. like I she could do, yeah, yeah she could do that kind of that kind of same vibe maybe of like because it's true, like the character has to sort of like, I'm very annoyed with you at all times, especially like in the earlier episodes, uh, she's the also, earlier replays. Yeah, but she's also super into like new age stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> you have to straddle that line. Um, uh, now, who do you see um, show running this or directing it? Woof. Um somebody who can kind of encompass a lot of time periods it also depends so much if you do it as a period piece right. from the 80s to the 60s versus if you do it um as a modern piece mm-hmm. maybe um i can't remember who who did it but um the maybe the person who did um like the queen's gambit or something like that if it's set in the 80s to the 60s i can oh, kind yeah. of imagine that working mm-hmm. um i can't remember that person's name yeah yeah that'd be good um maybe this is kind of an easy too much of an easy answer but i think it fits because of um boyhood is richard linklater um, yeah i mean maybe he, it's too he, obvious he, yeah, when I was the, I, I don't think it's too obvious because I was really thinking about boyhood and the idea of like passage over time. I know that's something he's super interested in. Um, yeah. He's a Texan, so maybe there's like some interesting. He's because like, the 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 main character he's from the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he goes to school he's in from Alabama. Florida. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
like that would be really the, there's there could be some really interesting things so maybe um somebody who is and and uh richard linklater's i i think he he was my first thought when i was especially when i was really thinking about it being like a some a, a sort of like a vast expansive project mm -hmm. that would take 25 years to make i i i would i think he could really do a good job like especially with some of the the period details the the college life stuff could be really fun. It, there would, it would also maybe inject like something sort of funny. Um, mm -hmm. And also there's like that sort of like sense of like epic love, which you get in the before sunrise, before sunset. Yeah. And I was thinking uh, those, those movies are basically replay, but without the time travel. Right. You know, cause there are these two characters, two characters like meeting up and over time over and over again right yeah um so yeah no i think i think that this could be an amazing project like we'll, we'll do it as a as a tv show i think uh -huh. we're gonna sell it as a tv show yeah it's going to be set in the past because i think that there's something sort of interesting about that we'll do it with richard linklater he'll be <laughs> the he'll direct the first episode and um he'll be involved in it and then i think i would end it with the sort of the stinger where somebody from the modern world goes back into the 80s and then mm -hmm. you can spin off a second season uh with brand new characters totally different sort of characters um new director new director <laughs> and would also uh that gives you a chance to also i wouldn't necessarily follow the author's uh first concept of having like the main character of the second series be like a Norwegian man, right? Like you could really like it go in all sorts of different directions with like who the cast is and like what kind of people are being like reborn and where are they being reborn and all the sort of complications that could ensue in that. And then of course you can have like the main characters from the first season come back and be wise older people um, uh -huh. who've already gone through it all. I think it could be really interesting. So I I'm sold. I think it, I think that this is uh, this this apple can be turned into a draft. <laughs> All right, green light. <laughs> um, okay, so speaking of this has been in various states of development for a long time. <laughs> like twenty people have been trying like to make a movie for the, of this for like twenty years, um, and. It looks like uh, at one point Ben Affleck was attached and there was another one with Brad Pitt and um, Julia, uh, Roberts. Julia Roberts attached. Um, and there's a, I, apparently there is a draft of the screenplay floating around the internet somewhere. I wasn't able to find it. But oh, there's a, okay. There's a, there's a review of a, of a draft of it on, the, on Script Shadow. And okay, it says... Jeff Sikowski is living in the year 1988 when he decides to take over a news station, holding hostage a newscaster named Pam, and tell Awful. the world that he's a time traveler who keeps dying at the end of his life, only to be sent back into his 18-year-old body to start over again. Awful. Jeff sees a movie about a man who's, who keeps reliving the same life over and over again, convinced that whoever made the film has the same affliction he does. He tracks her down, only to find out it's Pam, the woman he's holding hostage in the present timeline. I'm a bit confused about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, um, and then it says eventually they find a third man who replays and he wants to make sure they never tell anyone about their powers or to try to change them because Biff likes reliving his life over and over again yeah this sounds like it's off absolutely the wrong tack to take it's turning it into a thriller which it's not 
it's turning into a thriller. It's getting, it's jettisoning everything that's interesting about the story and then like adding in additional like quote unquote drama and, and thrills um, for no reason. I, it's, I, I feel bad to laugh at someone's writing. I know someone was working hard on this screenplay, but I have to laugh. It seems like a, a total joke of how you do an adaptation right. where you take the central conceit, but then twist it into a form where you can't even recognize it at all. Um, right. To me, it's to me, it's the the wrong the wrong way to go about it, especially with something that I think is actually has fundamentally good strong structural bones and um, is philosophically interesting. Now mm-hmm. that said, probably this writer wrote this thing in the 80s, in the 1990s, and I can imagine that this novel would be impossible to make in the 80s or 90s in a way that's true to the novel. Right. Uh, my, I think that there's room in the, this media circus that we have now to for something along these lines to actually exist and, and be kind of, uh, kind of beautiful and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't think that is the kind of a thing that you become super plot driven. It's all about the characters and about tone. And uh, yeah, and I, but I think that this having been in development for so long would make it really tough to make because everyone As who a had, piece. yeah, everyone would would, would want to have a say and would want to be like, well, why don't you include X from draft seventeen? Right, you would have to write that in, and then yeah, and and there's also there's a little bit of a there's also some problems too. Um, is that I think that um, apropos of the theme of repeating and replaying, I think that people might feel that they've seen this story already, even though in all honesty, I don't think that they have. But we've had so many films and TV shows that are about this kind of idea of a time loop that it's become. It, we were really aware of it as a trope, as a concept. I mean, they even make a joke of it in that film, uh, Palm Springs, where mm-hmm. you're just assumed to understand like what the concept is because you've seen Groundhog Day or um, or Russian Doll or Edge of Tomorrow or all kinds of other stuff. And right. um, and this, unfortunately, this happens sometimes where things don't get adapted for a long time. And then when they finally do people think that they're ripping off stuff but actually they're the progenitor of the concept right yeah so it it might be a tough it might be a tough uh a tough road ahead for replay but i would um if it was showed up in the on netflix or on hbo i would watch it and especially if it was as we described created by richard linklater (laughs) yeah i think it would be it would be right up my alley. I would be really on board with this show. It would be yeah, cool. Totally. Okay. So that's replay. Um, what, what else are we reading or watching or anything else we want to talk about? Oh boy. Uh, do you mind going first? Yeah. Uh, no, I just um, watched the finale of Pam and Tommy, uh, which is a oh, Hulu yes. show. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's quite good. Um, it is Lily James and Sebastian Stan playing uh, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, story of their sex tape. And it's actually an adaptation too. It's based on a um, Rolling Stone article, um, which I haven't okay. read, but sounds um, sounds cool. Apparently they made up very little for the show. Like a lot of the like more insane details of the 
you know, of what happened are, are absolutely true. Um, but it's cool. It um, is like equal parts, like a kind of like dumb crime story, like, you know, like a comedy of errors of uh, like a Coen Brothers thing and like a story about celebrities being celebrities. And then also like a story of, um, you know, this woman being taken advantage of and exploited. And Right. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, it's good. I recommend it. That's I. It, it sounds good. I remember I was um, that actress came to my attention because I watched another movie that is about um, knowing things that the world doesn't know. Yesterday, uh, and she is the the lead actress in a film called Yesterday, which is about a man who has an accident and he's the only world person in the world who remembers the Beatles. And oh right. Even, oh, like, she's in that. It. Okay. Yeah, and I remember I was I was watching it. Uh, she. This 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 actress does not look like uh, Pamela Anderson um, in the least, and I thought it was really interesting uh, to hear that she was cast in that role. And I heard that she had to spend a good four hours in the makeup chair every day to do the role and everything. Yeah, apparently she has a prosthetic forehead. <laughs> That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. I especially like the. Um, the zany kind of crime stuff too but the, the, it, yeah. it's it, it, it i read a couple of reviews of it it looks intriguing i will add it to my queue of things to watch yeah um and you know on my part i'll i'll mention something i already mentioned it in the the body of the of the show tonight but i'll mention that i just finished um the last of us part two mm-hmm. and um man uh that uh, that is a really rough road uh is a raw emotional journey that this video game makes you go on um i don't know if 20 years ago or even 10 years ago i would have thought that video games could be so complex and quite nuanced um and it really uh is all about like shades of gray and characters um characters always thinking that they're the hero of their own story when sometimes they're the villain of somebody else's story which which are things that really speak to me as a creator and uh my point of view of the world and the things that i'm trying to uh, express in my own work and so I, I have to say I just was blown away by it um, it doesn't do everything perfectly um, it is um, but it, 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 I think I'll be thinking about it for uh, years to come like it, it does some things that are really complicated and uh, I think it's um, it's worth the investment I think it's a, like a 60 hour investment of <laughs> Of playing time, um, but it's very enjoyable, and I, I really enjoyed the, the the process. Even though at the end it's like uh, fairly emotionally devastating and 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 quite a grim story. It's like the road or something, you know. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's pretty dark, um, and of course that ties in with our theme of adaptations because they are currently adapting um, The Last of Us um, yeah. to HBO uh, with uh, Pedro Pascal and I can't remember her name, but the actress who was the fierce, fierce little girl in the Game of Thrones, I think, is going to be in it as well. Oh, um, from the the one who's like leading the North. Yeah. 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 When all, like the, when the all the adults favorite. are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I think it could be really good. I, I really hope that they, they can achieve something great. And I would be really intrigued to see if they push into the narrative territory that's covered in The Last of Us Part Two, which um, is like the order of magnitude uh, more difficult and more um, emotionally searing than uh the last of us part one so i, I I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens with that yeah i have not played those games but i would like to but <laughs> you know games are hard they're long yeah they're they're so long um i already, I already think that tv shows are super long and I, mm-hmm. I i rarely make enough time to watch all these wonderful tv shows that are coming out uh but that is one that um uh definitely i'm glad to have played both of those cool all right. Uh, anything to plug? I don't know. When, when is this episode going to come out? We don't we know. We don't know. Well, you know what? No matter what, at some point in the near or far future of when this episode comes out, my second volume of my comic book that I draw, Works in Space, is going to be um, in stores. It comes out late in April, April 26th, I think. And mm-hmm. it's a really fun, uh, goofy, silly story. Um, I just draw it, and it's written by a team of writers, uh, including um, Justin Roiland, who's one of the co-creators of Rick and Morty, um, Rashad and Abed Gaith and uh, Michael Tanner. And um, it's just a really fun, silly series. Uh, and it's going to be coming out at some point soon. So I, if, um, if uh, people hear this episode, I hope they check it out. Cool. How about for you? Uh, nothing um, uh, super current, but you, we were talking about Palm Springs and I did some work on that. So people go watch Palm Springs on Hulu. Yeah, you you were you were like a, you did a bunch of the graphic design in in Palm Springs, right? Yeah, yeah, I made the beer can that they have in the movie. It's, it's, it's good. It's it's a, it's a really good beer can. I, I like the overall. <laughs> I've, I like the overall vibe and look of that film. Um, if people are intrigued by replay, I would say definitely go watch Palm Springs. It is is one of, is a very good uh, addition to the canon of time loop. Yeah. films yeah, and especially time loop relationship films i think it uh it breaks some new ground it was good mm-hmm. absolutely all right cool. uh where can people find you online i am at my name which is francois vigneault uh and so you can find me on instagram and i'll spell my name since it's one of these annoying uh long foreign names it's f-r-a-n-c-o-i-s-v-i-g-n-e-a-u-l-t I told you it was long and annoying. And how about you? Yeah. And I'm Mumbling Mina on Instagram and Twitter. That's M-U-M-B-L-I-N-G-M-Y-N-A-H. Perfect. All right. Well, that was the first episode episode. of, uh, yeah, that was the first episode of Apples to uh, Giraffes. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah. All right. See you next time. Bye.